What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Orr Podcast on the JV Podcast Network. Just a quick reminder, wherever you may be listening, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, rate five stars, leave a friendly review, subscribe, and turn those notifications on so you never miss an episode. Interviews like this one coming your way every single Monday and the weekend 12-pack with Uncle Micah, gambling, betting advice, and content coming your way every single Friday. I know what you guys may be thinking. Joseph, you sound in such high spirits. You sound so happy. Usually you sound so sad and depressed. Well, that's because the Browns, after a month plus of losing, defeated the Buffalo Bills. And as you guys are listening listening to this, it is Browns Victory Monday. I could not be happier. The Browns are still three and six. And what I wanted and what we what we wanted as fans out of this season is still probably near next to impossible. But whatever, we're going to enjoy this one. And we needed it so bad. We let out so many frustrations after this win. So it felt good. So 16 Sundays in Hell, Browns, Bills recap. And then you guys are going to hear my sit down with my good friend, Alex Otero. We talk about his time uh, playing for ASU football. We talk about life. We talk about concussions. We talk about him working as a personal trainer, and then I will wrap things up with my complaint of the week. All of that coming your way, but first, enjoy this nice, smooth jazz. All right, all right, all right. 16 Sundays in hell, Sunday number nine of 16. Sorry about that. I'm sort of in like a McConaughey mood. In the last four days, I've watched Dazed and Confused as well as How to Lose a Guy in 10, day, 10 Days. So just kind of on a McConaughey run right now. But anyways, Browns 19, Bills 16. Before we get into this, let's, as always, go over my picks. Missed on Tennessee, hit on the Jets, hit on the Rams, missed on the Ravens and 49ers, hit on Seattle, New England, missed on Denver, hit on Buffalo. So right now, that puts me at 5-4. and four with my Browns at three and six. Going into this game, I knew the Browns, they had a chance because they changed up the end zone art. They went back to the vertical stripes that they had last year. The Browns, I'm like, oh my God, the Browns are back. They're in their non-color rush uniforms. Like I already mentioned, the vertical stripes are back in the end zone. Swagger Jr., the Browns mascot, their new dog, made their debut. The old dog, He's still a good boy. He's fine. He's just been doing it for a while. I believe it was five seasons. He's all good, but it was time for Swagger Jr. to take over. And as good as Swagger was, remember when I talked about this a few episodes ago when I did the Seattle recap and I talked about how it was like Swagger's last game and everyone was kind of going at Baker and Freddie and his Odell working out? Well, start things at the top. Swagger has been around a lot longer than those guys and he's been a loser. So, I'm glad that he's on the sideline now. Swagger Jr., 1-0. Browns are back. So, this opening drive, I loved it. The Browns were out there. They were running a lot of two tight end sets, which found them a lot of success last year. They were able to run the ball really well out of those sets. They were able to protect Baker out of those sets, giving him a cleaner pocket, allowing him to be more comfortable, making better throws. So, this opening drive, to me, what will... It was what we had in mind. It was the vision we had as fans going into this season with Baker coming in in his second year, adding Odell Beckham Jr., signing Kareem Hunt, 
who played today and we're going to talk about. This is how the first drive went. The first play of the game was a deep shot to Odell Beckham Jr. They didn't complete it, but at least they took the shot. I like shot plays to a dynamic guy like Odell Beckham Jr. Chubb, he had a big run. Kareem Hunt, you got him the ball. You just threw a quick ball. He was split out wide, and you let him make a play. He picks up five or six yards for you. Utilizing play action, they get Baker on a little boot, five Jarvis Landry. He only threw the ball about three or four yards, ended up for a 10-plus yard gain in a first down. You set things up. You get it to your playmakers. Let those guys make the plays. And then, I just met, mentioned Jarvis Landry. You find a way to get him involved. He had a touchdown and red zone touchdowns. That's what we had in mind. That was the vision we had when the Browns and John Dorsey put this team together. Speaking of the red zone, the Browns today, compared to the previous eight games, were great. They had four trips, two touchdowns, and a field goal. It was better than four interceptions, which is pretty much how it's gone the entire year. But with that being said, there is a new boogeyman in town. The scariest situation for the Browns right now is coming up with plays to run from the five-yard line and in. The scariest phrase right now is first and goal, second and goal, and third and goal. Those phrases, those words scare me to death. I'm like, oh God, what are we going to do if we run one more pitch play to the A-gap? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what to say or what I would do. Like, I, I'm, I'm absolutely terrified. In the first quarter, the Browns, so they're up 6 nothing. You know, they're, they're, and in their second possession, <laughs> this is crazy. Once again, this is why first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, running plays from inside the five-yard line terrify me because... Because of penalties, the Browns, they ran eight plays from about the two-yard line. And it ended up as a turnover on downs. This was the first time an NFL team ran six, at least six plays from the two-yard line or closer without scoring in 26 years. Here's how the plays went. Let me pull up this tweet. I had a little voice crack there. I've been a little under the weather. Here's how the plays went. Let me pull up this tweet right now from Field Yates. Brown's goal to go se sequence from the one-yard line. First and goal, incomplete pass, penalty, defensive pass interference. First and goal, run for negative one yard. Second and goal, run for a yard. Third and goal, incomplete pass, another defensive pass interference. First and goal, run for nothing. Second and goal, incomplete pass. Third and goal, another run for nothing. And on fourth down, we went backwards losing two yards. That was painful to watch. After that first series, it was like, oh, here we go, baby. Browns are back. We march it right back down the field. Can't punch it in. The same issue happened in the third quarter. We're jumping, we're jumping around here. The Browns couldn't score, and, and the Browns, <clears throat> they were lined up to go for it on fourth down. Bad, bad decision here. Not good. And Chris Hubbard's false start on this play quite literally Save the Browns the game, probably, and Freddie's job. So the false start forced the Browns to kick a field goal. They get three points there. That would have been the situation that I wanted from the start. Don't line up to go for it on fourth down there. The fourth quarter was a roller coaster of emotions. You guys remember that Josh Allen fumble? He's scrambling. The ball's on the ground. We're like, get it, get it, get it. And of course, it gets fumbled forward. It bounces off of Demarius Randall and falls right into the hands of a Buffalo Bills offensive lineman. He captures it up, and it's good enough for first down. So instead of fourth down, it's now first down for the Bills, 
And then, of course, the, the, the uh, Bills, excuse me, punch it in for a touchdown. Let me talk about some takeaways from this game. Freddie Kitchens is still horrid and inexperienced and just doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing when it comes to clock management. He doesn't seem very aware. He also lacks creativity in calling plays from inside the five-yard line. And then accepting a penalty to make it third and 13 instead of fourth and three is questionable at best. I, I, I mean, what is that? I will sign up 10, I will sign up eight days out of the week for an opposing field goal kicker to try to kick a field goal from pretty much any distance, 35 yards and beyond, in Cleveland at First Energy Stadium in November. And if they make it, you tip the cap, you give up three, whatever. That was, it was insane to me. I couldn't believe it. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, those two on the field together, Yes, please. I'll have another. I want to see it all the time. These are two unselfish guys that show up and do their jobs. And you know what? I'm so happy for Kareem Hunt being out there. You could just tell he was playing with so much joy, whether he was blocking, whether he was handed the ball, whether he was catching passes. You could just tell he was so happy to put what has happened in the past, be in a new situation, be back in his hometown, playing for his home team, and just to be back on the back out on the field in an NFL uniform. You can tell that just means so much to him and it's so huge to him and he's looking to move forward. So the fact that, you know, in his blocking today was phenomenal. For his size and him getting out there, being a lead blocker like a fullback, I mean, it was incredible. And it's a weapon and him and Chubb are forces to be reckoned with, whether they're catching the ball, whether they're blocking for each other, whether they're running. Those are two guys that you really are going to focus on, especially when they're on the field together. I love this for the Browns offense. So today, talk a little numbers here. Him and Kareem Hunt, that is, and Nick Chubb combined for 24 rushes for 146 yards and nine receptions for 49 yards. I'll take that out of my backfield every single game. Let's talk about the Jarvis Landry taunting penalty. So that resulted in 15 yards and ended up being a 48-yard extra point for Austin Seibert. My thought is, initially, I loved it. I'm like, okay, good. We're 2-6. and six. We're not going to come out and lay down, right? I'm like, good. These guys are here to compete. They still believe a little bit. They're going to have some gusto. They're going to have some swagger about them today. But then I hated it because we missed the extra point. And Austin Seibert has to come in for a point after try. He has to kick one from 48 yards in Cleveland in November. Like, But then I loved it again because you know what? It didn't cost us the game. And on the weekend 12-pack with Uncle Micah, I said take the Bills plus three. So... If you guys listen to my advice, you didn't win any money, but you didn't lose any money either. The Browns won by three, remember, 19 to 16, so it was a push. You get your money back. Rashard Higgins, this guy must be new. We should throw it to him more. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, I know Rashard Higgins has been around. He was only one of Baker's most reliable targets last year. He was only incredible for the Browns last year. He had the game when he touched down. And I think this is really going to get him going for whatever happened. You know, he has, in 2019, he has four receptions. He only had one catch today, or whenever you're listening to this. He had one catch on Sunday against the Bills. It was a touchdown. And you know what? It was by far the biggest touchdown of the entire year for the Cleveland Browns. And I love that. On that game-winning drive, it was great. My heart dropped. 
it, it was over before it got started, it looked like, when they run that jet sweep pass where it gets thrown up in the air. It was called a fumble and a touchdown in the field. I'm like, we are not. I repeat, we are not about to lose it like this. And it was looking that way, but thank goodness it gets overturned. Baker was composed. I thought he was really good today. He didn't win us the game, but he also wasn't like a game man. You know, he was a little bit more than a game manager, and I wouldn't say he didn't lose us the game either because sometimes that kind of has a negative connotation. I think Baker was really good. You know what? He should have had a few interceptions, at least one. But you know what? He ended up protecting the ball, and he got it done for the Browns today. He really did. So I love what Baker did. I'm excited to see where this continues to go. And, um, yeah, the Browns with a huge win. Finally get to celebrate a victory Monday. I couldn't be happier. Um, Browns win it 19-16. Quick turnaround. They have Pittsburgh Thursday night football at home. It will be the second of three straight home games for the Browns. I'm really excited. This is a tremendous opportunity. Pittsburgh beat the Rams today. This is huge. Every single game going forward will be the biggest game of the season for the Browns if they want to remain in the hunt and remain competitive past November and into December. We'll see what happens. Crazier things have happened, Browns fans. Keep on believing. 16 Sundays in hell. Let's talk to Alex Otero. All right, so we got Alex Otero in studio here. He's he's this is this your first podcast? First podcast ever. I, I can tell because you're just like, dude, I just want to feel like I want to laugh right now. So yeah. get it out. I just want to laugh, man. You know? <laughs> Shit, I get it. I'm allowed to curse on here, right? Yeah. All right, cool. No, absolutely right, not. Cool. This is this is PBS, so it's very very clean. It's not you know, yeah. like Michael Scott said, you know, it's just like. They want to be PG out here, mm. but I'm like Eddie Murphy Raw, HBO Uncut. So that, that's what we are. We're, we're right. It's a cool podcast here. Oh, yeah. shit. So, so this is our first time hanging out um, off the golf course in a while. I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying it'd be, you know, it's cooled down a significant amount since we've been on the links. It wouldn't be bad to be on the course right now. I know, man. We should uh, we should actually get a golf podcast like while we're golfing. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Or go out for a round, right? Maybe record some footage. Yeah, true. Make true. it a whole thing, and then a little nineteenth hole action oh, podcast. Yeah. Right, right at the grill by Papago. Oh, oh yeah, it'd be beautiful. Right beautiful. Get a nice afternoon tea time so we yes, catch sir. it nineteenth hole. Some food, some drinks, some sunset, sunset yeah. right there oh, yeah. at the park. Hell yeah, that sounds perfect. That'd be amazing. So I want to start, you're from New York, I want to start with your New York Yankees. Yes, sir. Game postponed yesterday, so we're recording this, it's October 17th, it's a Thursday, down 2-1 to the Astros, game four tonight, you nervous? I'm not nervous, because I, I watched the video yesterday Okay. of uh, Aaron Boone's walk-off home run in yep. game seven of the ALCS. That was what, 3 I don't remember what year. But I think it was the year before the Red Sox had that 3-0 comeback. So yeah. I think it was 3 All I got to say is I, I just I feel it. They're going to pull it out. And then they're going to get to the World Series. They're going to sweep the Nationals. Really? Yeah. The Nationals are trash. That's it. I don't think... Okay, so here's my thing with the Nationals. And so, first off, here's my thing with the Yankees-Astros. I feel mm-hmm. like this is... Now, obviously, it's impossible for them to be in the World Series. They're in the same league. But I feel like the whole year, once things really started to take yeah. shape, I mean, the Yankees won 103 games, and they mm-hmm. were sort of beat up and all over the place all year. Yeah. The Astros won 107 games, and they added Granky at the trade deadline. Like, they're both these teams are loaded. Like, mm-hmm. if, if this was just anarchy and anyone could be in the World Series, this, be these yeah, these, I, this is who baseball wanted. And I don't have, obviously, a dog in the fight. 
But I also think you bring up an interesting point with the Nationals. I think if the Yankees or the Astros had a choice, okay, we're going to win this series. How many games do we want it to be in? I think they would say seven because seven-game series, they're awesome, they're dramatic. Yeah. But the Nationals, they're sort of playing that team of destiny right now. Like they're red hot. They had yeah. to play the wild card game. They come back against the Dodgers, mm-hmm. have that epic game five where Kershaw pulls off a playoff Kershaw again, yeah. and then they just absolutely rout the Cardinals. They kind of remind me of the Indians in 2016 when they mm-hmm. make their World Series run, right? Yeah. Sort of a smaller market, you know, lesser known, you know, team. They're kind of coming onto the scene um, in, in terms of the playoffs. You know, had some down years the year before, mm-hmm. and the Indians they swept the swept the Red Sox. And then they go in and they play the Blue Jays, who are just loaded with Edwin Encarnacion and Bautista, and the Indians pitching, um, you know, is a little dicey because of injuries. And they win that series four to one, and then they go on and nearly pulled off in the World Series. So then I, I kind of see some parallels with the uh, Nationals and Indians. It's sort of that team of yeah. destiny. They're they're hot right now. But if I'm the Yankees or Astros, what I'm trying to say here is. Let's let this thing go seven games. Those guys need oh, to yeah. cool down. One hundred percent. They I need agree. to cool down. I agree. The uh, I have been telling people actually that the ALCS is more of would be more of a World Series game than yeah the actual World Series. Right. But yeah. But again, remember the Indians were the underdogs. You know, coming up. Right. Kind of out of nowhere, and um, they did lose. They did lose. I, believe me, so, I will not forget so, that. It's impossible me f- to forget that. Yeah. Oh God. Hopefully they don't pull through. Hopefully the Nationals will not beat. I just want the ALCS team yeah. winner to win. Yeah. Because I don't mind the Astros. They're not like the Red Sox, you know what I mean? Right. If it was the Sox, then it's like... Well, uh, that's your yeah. bitter rival. Exactly, exactly. But what does interest me is how Harper left and the Nationals are killing the <laughs> Look at this, right? Yeah, right? Like, Unreal. Yeah. But, hey. That's what happens. What can you do? That's what happens sometimes. That's like when Pujols, right? He left the Cardinals yeah. the year after they won the World Series. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get it. I mean, it was a huge contract when he went to Anaheim. But have they ever been, I mean, maybe once have they been to the playoffs since he's been there? I don't yeah. even know. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it was even because of his contribution, really. No, like, no, no. Yeah. No, Trout's the guy there. Yeah, I mean, he's just, Pujols is just, I mean, he's still serviceable. He's yeah. not like... The Walking Dead out there, but yeah. he's not what he no. once was. No. no, no, not even close. No, he's like yeah. I'm just gonna go take this 230 million and live in Southern California. I don't blame him. Yeah, but I mean I would do it too. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Right? I got two World Series. He won in 06. Mm. Uh, no, no, they lost. I think they lost. I think Detroit beat him that year. But he won in 13 or whatever it was. Um, we haven't hung out a ton in the three years that we've known each other, but. Mm. It's funny because I feel like every time we're together, we just sort of flow and all of a sudden we get onto these like weird and different and mm-hmm. and deep conversations all the time. Because I think where we get along, I think because at our core, mm-hmm. we're sort of loners and we sort of like really value our alone time. And that's yeah. like not a negative thing. I don't think it is mm-hmm. at all. But like if you have a whole day to yourself or a whole mm-hmm. weekend to yourself – and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna spend some Alex time. I'm gonna do something. What do you, What are you gonna do? Well, I would probably start off by working out. Yeah. Um, just because that it, it's a way for me to kind of clear my headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, I love photography, so 
go on some hikes, shoot some sunsets, shoot some, shoot some sunrises, just nature in general, um, and just play a ton of golf. Yeah. Like, like if it's, if it comes down to it, it's just photography and golf. That's it. I love uh, that. That's, that's my perfect weekend right there. It's, yeah. Like I was telling you when we were walking over here, I was just in Park City for yeah. fall break. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been out there? No, I've never been to Utah. It was gorgeous. So I want to go back yeah. when there's snow. I mean, they call it the best snow in the world. Really? Yeah. And But I was there, you know, obviously here in early mid-October, and it was, except for the day that I landed, mm -hmm. where it was pretty cold, it was in the 30s, every day was in the mid-50s to low-60s, hardly a cloud in the sky, sun, I mean, I was in a jeans and a sweatshirt, just hiking everywhere, I mean, you would have, I mean, talk about photography and oh, some, yeah. I mean, sure. you would have been in heaven, the landscape mm -hmm. out there is gorgeous, and I there was a few times I remember I was loving it so much. Usually you can't catch me walking around without my headphones in listening to a podcast yeah. or or music or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I did not have my headphones in once outside yeah. of being on the plane. There were a couple times during my hike where it was so beautiful, the sights were, mm -hmm. and it was so peacefully quiet. I literally stopped. Yeah. I'm like I need to find a place where I can sit down. And I literally closed my eyes and just took a couple deep breaths and just spent time just like Looking around, my mind had never been mm -hmm. so clear before. We don't realize how, you know, where we are here in in the valley in, in Arizona with all, especially all this construction going on around campus, yeah. how claustrophobic it can get. And then when you're out there, I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't want to leave. I'd go back tomorrow. I mean, it was, I had yeah. such a great appreciation for it. I was like this, because I went by, it was a solo mission, it was a mm -hmm. solo trip. And it was, yeah. it was, I mean, it was just incredible. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, the um, there is something about just hearing nature yeah. and just kind of letting it, letting it consume you in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, actually an Indian reservation that I go to all the time. I'll go at night, um, especially like on a full moon, um, and I'll just sit there and and I'll listen to yeah. whatever is around me or the animals, the coyotes chanting or whatever it is it's but it's it's just such a beautiful peaceful meditative thing right that it, i don't know again it, i think alone time is is vital yes for any person so um it is a good way for me to escape um and it's one of those places where again i don't have to be listening to something no or, you know i don't have to be blocking out the sounds of the city or yeah. other people or it's just you can almost hear your own heartbeat yeah. Sense. yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, because it's not, like like you said, you kind of take it in and let it consume you yeah. rather than being here, you know, with all the busy and the city noise and lights and everything. Mm -hmm. Rather than, that's more of a claustrophobic feeling. Yeah. But when you consume it, then it's more of like absorbing it and being yeah. like wrapped in a blanket like it's good. It's yeah. just like whatever this nature and this peacefulness is going to throw at me, whether yeah. it's you know, these animals or it's a little wind and some leaves are blowing mm -hmm. or it's branches or birds, whatever it is, yeah. bring it my way. I'm just go, going with the flow. I'm all here for it. It's becoming one with nature. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a little hippie of me, but <laughs> I know, but shit. Yeah. yeah you're, I mean? you're this big guy. You got this big yeah. manly beard and we're talking like we yeah. should be smoking some grass, you know, just, just hanging out in the seventies. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with smoking some grass and <laughs> Sitting in some nature. That's all I got to say. Oh, man. It's a beautiful that, thing. Oh, that's good Seriously. stuff right there. Um, do you remember when we first met, it was at a spring rush event 
fraternity. We're talking Greek life here. Spring mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. I still the first conversation we had still sticks out to me. Do you remember what we talked about? To be honest, no, because I talked to oh I know you talked to a million that. people, but I yeah. still remember it because I loved the conversation because a lot of them you know the conversations get old and routine and the same after yeah. a while, mm-hmm. but it was not too long after La La Land came out. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about that movie. Yeah. And first off, like I said, you know, I was a little caught off guard because, you know, this isn't a bad thing, but you know, you stereotype, you know, you were talking about at the time you were training for your walk on trial for football. You're this yeah. big guy, right? And then we're talking about this movie mm-hmm. that's so different than movies that get made nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's sort of its own thing. And, you know, there's this whole, there's a story to it, but it's also mm-hmm. a musical at the same time. And we just got talking about, you know, not just the context um, of what the movie was about, what went on in it. You know, we were talking about the way that it was shot and yeah. and the colors and as moods changed, the mm-hmm. way that the the lighting changed and the way that they they dressed mm-hmm. the talent, the actors and actresses. And then we talked about the music and the dancing. Mm-hmm. I still I just love that conversation because it's yeah. still like one of my favorite conversations I've had at Rush because and I know it is because I literally don't remember any of them. Yeah. You know, very few of them, and I still remember that one sticking out. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, this guy, we kind of we're on the same we're on the same wavelength." Here. Yeah. Well, still to this day, I mean that that movie um, probably would be like top two. I love it, and it like the music is just so powerful. It's moving when when you have pieces and or when you just have music in general that can yeah. make you feel. Yeah. Not just like you're not just sitting there listening to it. You're actually feeling it internally. I think that's that's a truly an amazing thing. And I think we're in an era of music where not a lot of music gets you to that feeling point. No. You know? Um, almost like it's lacking authenticity where I don't know what this composer did or what it was. I think his name was Justin Hurwitz or something like yep, that. Yeah, um, that's who it was. But I don't know. The way he just put it together, just like... I'm, I get chills thinking about it. Yeah. Um, well, and it's yeah. different too because it was all jazz based, right? Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of jazz music, and I mean, I know you said you listen to the podcast. People they enjoy their nice smooth jazz yeah, as we get jazz, right? yeah, that, that's right. That that's how I yeah. do it. And I was trying to come up with something. I'm like, what you know? What's me? I'm I'm a little I'm a little different. Like, yeah. Yeah, let's throw some jazz in here. Yeah, yeah. So I think the other thing, you know, what was so cool about it is it was just different. It's like not what we were used to. The whole yeah. movie, the music, everything. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. I still remember seeing the trailer for it and the posters mm-hmm. and things like that. And just the way that the music was and the way that they were dressed. Mm-hmm. It almost looked like this movie took place in like almost like the 20s. Yeah. Almost. You know yeah. what I mean? They were sort of, it was like, okay, so they're a little casually dressed in the 20s. But the way yeah. that like they like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling were dressed in the wardrobe, it seemed yeah. like, oh, this movie... This is like from the 20s or something yeah, like that. It has that like exaggerated like romance. Right. Um, right. But then I'm in the yeah. movie and I'm like, no, this looks more modern day. And then yeah. she drives a Prius. I'm like, oh, this movie's taking place like mm-hmm. in 2017. Yeah. Like it was, or 2018 or whatever, whatever it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was just really, really cool. So I brought up, we were talking about at Spring Rush, you were talking about football. You are getting ready mm-hmm. for your walk-on trout. You end up making the team. You yeah. spend some time on ASU's football roster. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed, and it's kind of interesting, last couple times we've golfed, anytime I brought up football, I'm like, oh, did you see this game? Or I was watching this game. You seem a little bit, 
you know, I don't know what the right word is, but a little mm-hmm. turned off by the whole subject subject of football. And you talk about how you really don't, you know, really sit down and watch games or pay too much yeah. attention anymore. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Why, why is that? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think when you're playing the sport at such a high level, it becomes your life. Yeah. I mean, I was waking up, you know, five in the morning to go get treatment. Yep. And then, I mean, we'd, we'd be there from five in the morning to, or five thirty till, you know, one thirty two o'clock in the afternoon. And then you'd have school and then more film. And because I was a walk-on, I had to work. So right. I worked briefly at In-N-Out. Um, I would drive Postmates. Well, yeah. So again, like, just hustling. Yeah. It was, I learned that it was more about, you know, they say student athlete. It was just more about the athlete part. Yeah. Um, you're no more than that, yep. at least to, to them. No right. matter what they say, I mean, you know, they're always like, oh, no, we care about your... Yeah. And it, it's nothing against the program. I, I get it. Like, we have to make the money and all that stuff. But again, it just took up so much of my life that yeah. I... I Kind of burnt out. Yeah, I feel a little burnt out. But I mean, I, I do like watching the ASU games because I do have friends on the team still. Right. So, like, that's... That's probably the only games that... It's probably more so watching and cheering for them... Yeah, than it is than, for than the actual team. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's why, man. It's just... It consumes your life and... Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm sure that I'll turn around or come around mm-hmm. someday, but... Just some time has to pass. Yeah, I think I just need to play some golf, you know? Like, that's right. Yeah, relax, clear yeah. your mind. Yeah. No, and, and I totally get that because yeah. when you say that, I'm thinking about me going back to high school... Yeah. And that's just high school. And that's mm-hmm. not even close, not even close as demanding and as time-consuming is as it is playing at the college level. And I think about, you know, practice all week, Friday game, Saturday film, and then me being the quarterback, I'd come in on Sunday and get a head start on the game plan. And I still remember I would watch the Browns on Sunday, mm-hmm. which who were pretty much unwatchable. Yeah. You know, during my during my time there, yeah. pretty much my entire life. But like on Saturday, I'm like, no, I just want to get away from it. And yeah. and I even get that. So, I mean, if me being a high school athlete with yeah. that schedule, that's not even as close as de- demanding as time and as time consuming. Yeah. I can't imagine when it's you guys are, you know, beyond a full time job in term, terms of hours. And then you put the whole the whole physical aspect on it and you're really yeah. putting yourselves at, at risk because of injuries and, you know, it's one thing to play basketball where head injuries are very, very rare. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst thing you can do, it's like, yeah, you know, some knee injuries can get pretty horrific yeah. and things like that, but you're able to recover from that mm-hmm. in life. You know, maybe yeah. you never get back to where you were on the floor, mm-hmm. um, but in life, you're going to be pretty much, pretty much fine if you get that knee taken care of and you rehab the right way, but... Yeah. With football, those head injuries, they're they are yeah. irreversible. I mean, I had three concussions in my day, two from football and one from a brawl in a summer league basketball game. Mm-hmm. That's a story for another yeah. n- another podcast. But, you know, I mean, concussions suck. Yeah. I mean, w- what was your sort of injury history playing football? Is that any sort of factor, too, why maybe you're a little off-putting? Because it's, you know, such a yeah. violent sport. And like you said, you know, you get it. You guys are pretty much athletes like that's like 99% of it because at the end of the day I mean you guys aren't getting paid Mm -hmm. you know especially not being a walk-on you don't even get the scholarship benefits and I get why the coaches you know are like that and think that way is because 
you know, yes, they are getting paid. And if they're at a big pro program, they're definitely getting taken care of mm -hmm. money-wise. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they need to keep working. Yeah. And, you know, if, if things don't go well, you know, it's their ass yeah. at, at the end of the day. So, you know, you get that. But, you know, so, sorry, um, going back to, you know, what was sort of your injury history um, through football? Were, were you were you pretty lucky or did you deal with head injuries? Um, I did deal with a few head injuries, um, some that were um, pretty bad. I mean, I had one uh, during the state championship game of, of my or the final state championship game of my high school career, mm -hmm. and that was that was okay. I mean, initially I was like I was pretty messed up, but um, yeah. When I got to ASU, actually the first injury that I dealt with was a torn labrum in my hip, um, and so my plan was to go get surgery mm -hmm. so that I didn't tear the other one. Right. And then they were like, "Well, we want you to play." I was used on some packages in the fall, but. Um, and on special teams, and instead so they gave me a cortisone shot, and I ended up tearing the other labrum. Yeah. So you know it. Again, you got to think like they're they're trying just to win because again that does affect their pay and that affects how whether they have a job or it, not. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, but I remember I got it was the week after Stanford twenty seventeen. Uh, it was the bye week. I think believe it was a Tuesday because we had Mondays off. Uh, the, that Tuesday I got a concussion in practice. Um, we decided, like, they gave the offensive starters a rest and they just let the twos ball out for that week. And yeah. first day of practice, I uh, was coming across the line um, on, like, a kick-out block. Yep. And um, I didn't see the guy, and he appeared out of nowhere and just head-to-head -head collision. And I remember, I don't really remember the hit, but I remember watching it on the film and I grabbed my head with both hands. Um, it almost felt like I was holding my head together. Yeah. And uh, that messed me up. And um, I was out for, I believe, two and a half weeks. And my parents were coming out to see me play uh, against USC. Um, and so, of course, I, you know, once in a lifetime chance, like, what if I wasn't playing next year? Like, I got to be on the field or... Yeah. In any way I can. It doesn't matter. And so I was like... Well, I'm gonna lie on my concussion test, and so I did, and like, and I don't know if that's that incriminates anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it all comes out yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's a lot of pressure yeah. for that because yeah. you know, in football, it, it's such because injuries are so frequent. Yeah. It's such a next man up mentality when you're a walk on guy and you fought like hell yeah. and like crazy to just make it on some sort of package or to get on the field at all. Yeah. You don't want to give that up no. because if you go out and from what it sounds like you should have been out, yeah. but you know that if you go out, your parents are making this cross country trip, they're going to miss that. And if the next guy steps up or just does good enough, yeah. there goes my shot. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. And that's was, a lot um, of pressure that's on yourself. And that's a lot of pressure that comes from the coaches. And sometimes, you know, those conversations happen yeah. where they're up front. It's just like. Listen, yeah. you got to take care of yourself, but at the same time, I mean, yeah. There's this also, spot can no longer be your yeah. spot. There's also a mentality with, with walk-ons where it's like uh, you, like obviously you're on the team for a reason. Like yeah. They, they gave you the shot for the reason, so they know you can play, but when you mess up, they say things like, oh, it's because he's a walk-on. Like it Very shortly. And, and it's like, come on now, like your, your scholarship guy just made the same mistake and mm -hmm. Like, here he is, next rep yeah. up, you know, complete, 
I guess, immunity of losing his spot. Well, it's, it's yeah. just like yeah. in the NFL, and I know it's a little bit different because they're investing yeah. a ton of money, but yeah. with first-round picks, you see these guys like Johnny Manziel. I mean, how many second chances did oh, he get? God. How many second and okay. third and fourth and fifth chances did a guy like Josh Gordon get? Yeah. But when you've invested that money, especially a first-round draft pick, and you invest in a position like the quarterback position, yeah. or you have a guy like Josh Gordon who is so incredibly talented, and same to speak of another guy, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. That video comes out. It's crazy what people can get away with and do yeah. off the field with serial, serious criminal-type stuff, yeah. and they keep getting second and third chances. But that's what happens when you're at that talent level and that amount of money – Oh, yeah. And that status of draft pick has been invested. So it's a little bit different dynamic, but it's the same thing. Yeah. They're making an investment. Like, we know what this guy can be. We, we know his yeah. ability is crazy, right? You know, we can more so mold this and we've wasted, or, you know, not wasted, but we've used a scholarship on this player at the yeah. college level. I mean, again, it's it's an investment of whatever, hundred to $200,000 yeah. over four years. So, I mean, right. that's, that's... And you only have so many spots. Exactly. So um, you do want to pick wisely. Um, and it looks so. bad on you. And that comes back to the coaches. It looks bad on you. Yeah. Or if in the NFL and you're drafting, it's up to the GM or whoever's making the draft. And you want it to work because yeah. if it doesn't and you have to cut a first-round guy yeah. after two years because of ability or stuff off the field, it looks bad on you. So you're, you're going to live or die by this yeah. one decision, possibly. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, man. But it's uh, football's cutthroat and yeah. injuries are no fun, man. It's like, it's uh, it is interesting to hear stories of like, what? Well, I, I'll just say like, I don't. What I don't understand is I, f- I feel how my body feels, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my hips ache, my back hurts, my head. I still have post concussion symptoms mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and um, I see all these other guys who like struggle with injuries. From football, and yet they surround their kids with it, and they're like, they want my, I want my kids to play football. I want them to be this, a star. This, this was the next yeah. thing I had because you asked me when we played golf yeah. last time. Do you think your kid? Do you think you would let your kids play football? And I literally, we were walking up to the green. I remember yeah. it, and I literally was like, well, um, if, well, the thing is. Well, it depends on, like, I was stuttering. I had no yeah. idea what to say. That's literally how I was speaking. I was yeah. speaking nonsense, and I think I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And I want to get your answer in a second. But mm-hmm. my answer is, I don't know, because when I played football, I never worried about it. Yeah. And it's because, here's the, I think it's the biggest thing. Because you're not in control mm-hmm. of someone else. No. You're watching from the stands, the sidelines, TV, wherever you are, and you're watching your kid. And this is someone that you would raise, and especially when they're younger, you're mm-hmm. more and more, they're more dependent on you, and you're more in control yeah. of protecting them and their safety. Mm-hmm. And when they're out there, and you can't control not only what they're doing, and maybe you're not so worried about your kid. Yeah. I, you know, I use the same analogy with driving. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a good, aware driver, yeah. and I'm not worried about what I'm doing. I'm worried about other people that may be distracted. Yeah. I'm worried about a possibly a dirty player or someone who is mad at something else and is going to take their anger out on my kid, not because they dislike my kid, but they're just like, whoever crosses my face first is getting it. I'm going after their head. I'm going after their knee. And hopefully that doesn't happen. But at the same time, it can. And when Mm -hmm. you're not in control of it, I imagine as a parent, that is just 
a horrible feeling mm-hmm. when something happens, whether it's football, life, whatever. Yeah. You're like, you put it on yourself. You're like, I should have never let them play or yeah. I shouldn't have let them out of the house that night. I imagine yeah. that is just a sickening feeling because you're like, that is my responsibility. Like, I failed. Yeah. And that's why I still don't have an answer to this question. Yeah. What no, would I, you, I, I want to hear your take on this because you played at a higher level and you've had I, dealt with different things than me. Personally, I don't think I would, um, simply because of just like how it, like, because again, right when you're when you're playing, you don't really think about how it makes you feel, right? Like you just, like you show up for practice, you practice hard. Game days, I mean, like, shit, like there's no better feeling than running out in front of sixty five thousand people. It's like, the rush that you get, the adrenaline, like it's it's an amazing feeling, um, but again, it's it's all a very superficial feeling. Like yeah. it's just, it's very short lived. It's very short lived. In the grand yeah. scheme of things, you know, you could play four years, you know, mm-hmm. even think about this, four yeah. years of high school, let's start with high school, four years of high school. Mm-hmm. Let's say you play four years of college. There's eight. Yeah. And let's say you're really good in college and you go and play in the NFL. Yeah. And where guys are bigger, faster and stronger. Yeah. And let's say you have yeah. a great career. Six years. Yeah. That's a that'd long be time. insane. Right. So yeah. there's, what is that? That's, Four, eight, 14. six, 14 years. Yeah. And let's say you live to be in your mid-70s, early 80s, and mm-hmm. you know, depending on your injury history and how you take care of yourself, maybe even live closer to 90. Yeah. That 14 years, I mean, I know it's bad radio here on the podcast, but I'm showing you, you know, I'm doing the thing with the fingers yeah. where it's it's like, no, it's it is such a short amount of time lived. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, it's um Again, like it's, I think football was worth it because of the lessons that I learned. Yeah. Uh, the team building. I mean, you're like, I've. Camaraderie. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been in, uh, the way you just form relationships outside of football with people, um, you just kind of know where to go with that. But overall, when it comes to how I felt, granted, like traveling around the, or around the West Coast is fun, but I, it wasn't, physically it wasn't worth it. Yeah. For the mental part, it was, but physically, I would say no, and that's why I don't think I would ever let my future kids play football, um, simply because I don't want them to deal with head injuries. Um, you know, the concussion recovery was miserable. You yeah. couldn't do anything. You had to sit in a dark room. Um, you couldn't look at your phone. I would throw up because the light would hit me. Yeah, it'd be too bright. Like, Messes up your sleep. Yeah, you and not sleep. to mention yeah. you're a student. The, the coaches yeah. may not see you this way, but you yourself is are still a student athlete. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, you know, I'm a walk-on, you know, to play this sport professionally and get paid for it one day is a long shot. It's a long shot for anybody. Yeah, of course. No matter how talented you, talented you are because of variables and unknowns. Yeah. you got to take care of school. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing you can fall back on. No matter whether you sprain your ankle, mm-hmm. you break your foot, you're going to be able to do it unless you're doing some sort of manual labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you're going to school so hopefully you don't have yeah. to do manual labor. Mm-hmm. You know, your biggest asset is up here. I'm pointing at my head right now. Yeah. Your brain, right? Yeah. So when you're a student athlete like that and you have to deal with that and that's interfering with your studies. Yeah. Um that's huge. I mean, that's yeah. that that's the worst. And I, and I can imagine someone going back to it again that you feel I I'm in charge of this person. Mhm. I I need to craft and raise this person the right way and keep them safe yeah. and teach them the right things, and 
it comes down to to weighing out the options, yeah. the camaraderie, the the lessons, mm-hmm. and I love sports so much because I feel like in a, in a lot of cases, in ninety nine point nine percent of the cases, you know, a locker room is colorless. Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. it's diverse. You don't see it, and sports are so great. You know, it's still like the one thing that really brings us together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very rarely is, are sports divisive, but at the same time, you're like. Hey, instead of throwing the pigskin around, why don't you kick this soccer ball? Or let's uh, shoot some hoops. Or let's play some baseball. Let's play some golf. Yeah, let's play some golf. Play some, so, you know, here's here's the one thing I will say. Like, I think golf is the only sport where um, everybody has an equal shot, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that you can do that can affect the way I play, if that makes sense. Right. At least physically. Right. Like, whatever. You hit a great shot. Mentally, that, that may get in But my that's head. on you. You're like, but, oh, I got to do that. I can exactly. follow this up. Exactly. And again, in no other sport do you get that lesson where, I mean, there is nothing that anybody can do. And it's true in life. There's nothing that anybody can do, say, that should or can stop you from mm-hmm. achieving your goal. The only thing is you, right? Like, so again, I think that's in team sports, it's like the team mind. Like, yeah. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if right. one person does not believe in that in that mission, then again, it's going to affect the entire team. But golf is a single solo man sport where it's like, or solo woman. Sorry. Whoa, yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah, man. Yeah, no. okay. I'm talking about not seeing color and diversity, and you're out yeah, here. Yeah. yeah well, look no. at this guy. Oh man. I fucked up. <laughs> That's going to be all. We have to edit that out. All, all over CNN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex Otero on this beat on this stupid podcast yeah, does not see was not including women. Fuck. <laughs> and LGBTQ. There you go. Everyone. Plus, yeah, everybody's included. Whatever you are, it's a single thing or yeah, person. But you make so. a great point about golf, and I was just yeah. thinking about this. It's one of the only sports where you can be by yourself mm-hmm. and you can play the full sport. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, tournaments have however many number of people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're competing against the course. Yeah. And I think what's so cool about golf, too, is there are different type of courses. There's different lengths. Mm-hmm. There's different hazards. There's different designs. Yeah. If you're going to play basketball, mm-hmm. you're playing regulation, right? You can show up in Phoenix, Arizona, Cleveland, Ohio. You can show up anywhere, and the hoop's going to be 10 feet off the ground, the foul line's going to be 15 feet away. Mm-hmm. You know, the three-point line, depending on what level you're at, is going to be the same distance yep. across. You know, as long as you're playing high school, it's going to be that level. College, it's that length. NBA is that length. Yep. Um, you know, pools, swimming. I mean, you know, you could swim by yourself and you're going up against the clock. But, I mean, the distance is the distance. The stroke is the stroke. Yep. Golf offers so many different things. I mean, the football field, it's always going to be 100 yards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just, um, I think that's what's beautiful about golf. Yeah. It's, and it's safe. It's safe. It is safe. Um, well, if you're, if you do things evenly. Yeah. If you swing left and right. Yeah. But, yeah, again, there's no risk of head injury unless somebody hits a golf ball at your head. Unless some jerk doesn't yell four. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, man, it, it's, I've learned so many lessons just from golf alone. Yeah. Um, over the past few years that I've been playing um, more frequently um, that I don't think I've learned from other sports. But yeah, I, you know, I do, back to the question of allowing my kids 
my future kids to play yeah. football. Again, I think it comes to a point where the decision is out of my control. Yeah. And I think all I'll say is I'll warn him of the risks or warn her of whatever risks there are in the sport and just say, like, be the best you can be. Um, but just remember, like, there is life after sports. Yeah. Um, so just be cognitive or conscious of that. Um, right. Because really, yeah, like you said, all you can do, you know, it's up to them. Yeah. But it's our job. It would be your job as a parent mm-hmm. to educate them and make yeah. them aware of everything. Like, exactly. listen, if you want to do this, yeah, I support you. I think it's awesome. I love football. I'm gonna love watching you play football. Yeah. But just let me educate you. Just let me. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. But yeah. I have to give you the cold hard truth, and that's yeah. be yeah. tough for you know a ten year old or however old they are. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's so difficult too because they keep moving, and, and I get it why they keep moving the age back of when they start tackling. Yeah. I think that's great, but at the same time, you know, you wait up until you know they're in junior high or almost high school before they start playing tackle football. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things where you really want to get the muscle memory down and teach them at a young age the proper way to tackle yeah. and how to do things. And if you're you know, doing things at, at that age mm-hmm. where now the disparity of the size and the speed of kids because of the different maturing yeah. ages, mm-hmm. that can get pretty dangerous. The first time you strap it up and you're going full contact yeah. and you got this eighth grader that looks like you going up against an eighth grader that looks like me because yeah. there are cases of that where yeah. dudes are big and strong and ahead of their age in eighth grade and then there's kids you know that are a little bit behind or they're just right on course but one kid just happens to be you know so far ahead Mm -hmm. you know that um it's just a hell of a situation i really don't know what more to say about it there are just again like you can teach somebody the proper way to tackle but that it'll only happen in the perfect world because again you gotta think right so Different running angles, people yeah. cut and situations and or a running back just lowers their head into your head yeah. and it's like, well, now you have a, a concussion because yeah. of that. You maybe did that. the right thing, but they came actually after you. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's there just are so many things unaccounted for. And they keep saying, you know, they're making football safer. It'll never ever be safer. There's no way unless we make it robotic and yeah. like humans I, mean, are I think it's technically the rules are in place it is technically safer but yeah. it doesn't mean it's safe no because yeah. th- we're not we were we were not designed <laughs> to no. be battering rams and run uh-huh. into each other at, 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 at full speed no, no. you know what I mean I mean football is a very there's a ton of unnatural elements to football mm-hmm. and it'll you know they can make it safer and you know they can take contact out and they can have a quicker whistle and I think all that stuff is great but at the same time it's not safe and at some point you know I, I think you know it, it can be kind of a cop-out answer but I think there's a lot of truth to truth to it is yeah. hey you know we're gonna help you out here we're gonna change these rules up a little bit make it a little bit safer but mm. this is football you know what you signed up for yeah you know no, what I mean it's true it's true yeah I mean listen I'm sorry, but it, it's just natural instinct for a linebacker or a safety when you see somebody coming across the middle to lay them out. I mean, yeah, and like I'm, your head just gets in the way. Like yeah. it's 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 attached to your body, so like yeah. I, I can't imagine. It's not like your arm you can't just have it out. But yeah, like, you know when you're leading with your chest, obviously your head's going to be there. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a big controversial topic. Yeah. 
hate me for saying that football is a dangerous sport, but it's the truth. It's the truth, man. It is dangerous, and I I think the biggest thing is that consumers. I think a lot of people view it from the consumer standpoint. Yeah. Um, they'll never know what it's like to hit somebody. So I was when I was playing. I was six four, two seventy five. And I remember on one kickoff return that I was on against Oregon, uh, I was running up the field. They ran it out of the end zone, and um, I'm coming around the corner, and I think it was number three. I forget who it was. Yeah. But the guy had to be 6'6", 280. So, like, I mean, you're both running full speed, and to just, again, nobody knows what that feels like, especially right. when they're viewing it from the consumer standpoint. Um, and you can think back to that old... Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, bring back the ESPN segment where it was like, you got jacked up or, you know, whatever that yeah, segment yeah, was yeah. where it was all the big hits. And yeah. I see him just playing at the high school level. Like, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even want to watch it. It's not entertaining yeah. to me. No, I'm like, no, no, I understand. I've taken way less. I've taken big hits that are way less. Without that same force, without that speed, I've taken them, you know, sort of to scale, oh, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. And I'm like. No, I don't want to watch this because I have an understanding of what a big hit oh, takes. Yeah. Like I'm just like, no, I, I'm just like, yeah. yeah. The people who who want to bring that back have probably never played football oh, before. No, not at all. No, no it's, that's my guess. But again, it's a a huge controversial topic that yep. I don't think anybody will ever come to an agreement no. on. Nope. So, but it is what it is. That's good. It gives us stuff to talk about, right? Exactly. That's true. So I want to move in now. So did you start this because of football, your post-football career, this former business that you had? What what was it again? It was like physical therapy or stretching or what what was it? It was fascial stretch therapy, um, FST for short. Um, I got into it because, uh, again, I I love working with, I mean, people uh, just in general. But again, to... FST helped me so much. I don't think I would have been able to, like, I guess, play at this level um, without it. Um, and what was it? Can you explain sort of yeah. what it was and what it does? Yeah, so we have fascial tissue in our body, and it's a soft web of connective tissue that surrounds everything inside of our body. Uh, it gives our muscle structure, and because it gives our muscle structure, it therefore dictates where everything in our body sits. So if your hips or spine or anything's out of alignment, essentially... Um, the way you get it back in alignment is by releasing the fascial tissue. Okay. Um, a big segment or a big um, thing that goes along with this is that FST is pain-free. And so um, the reason why I emphasize pain-free is that when you don't cause pain to the body, you're able to relax the nervous system. And because you relax the nervous system, you can get the maximal release out of the tissue. Um, so essentially what it does is it allows people to live pain-free. It allows people to, um, you see more gains in the gym. Like for example, one of my buddies, one of my former teammates at ASU, um, after one, one hour session with me, his deadlift went up a hundred pounds. Yeah. Not saying that everybody sees those results, but he clearly was not using his body to his full potential. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the pain-free and relaxed nervous system allows people to see longer lasting results. But, um, yeah, I've actually, like, it was very rewarding for me to, um, have it get done on me and see it, see how it changed my life. 
Um, and just being able to turn around and give that back to people was a great feeling for me. Like paying it forward. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just, again, I want to help as many people in this world as possible. And, um, whether it's FST or photography or whatever it is, like, I, like that's just, you know, that's, that's it. And that's why I got into it overall. But, I love that. Now, yeah. you're not doing that anymore, though, are you? So I'm actually at um, personal training um, okay. over at Lifetime. Yeah. So I do do that still for my clients okay. and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I don't actually have the LLC or business gotcha. anymore. Okay. Um, but yeah. So now you're just kind of combining it with the personal training exactly. that you're doing at Lifetime. Kind exactly. of utilizing it into your program with your clients. Exactly. exactly. So so I want to talk about personal training. This kind of brings it to present day now. Mm-hmm. Um so, so how do you enjoy that? I feel like personal training can be great. I know a couple guys that have done it and do it back home. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, you know, they're in shape guys, really good high school athletes, but the gym that they work at, you know, there's a lot of older clients and I just yeah. can't imagine that is very fulfilling or exactly what they want to be doing. So I kind of want to know, mm-hmm. take us in, what has been your experience and sort of where do you hope hope to go with it? Um, so... Overall, personal training, I enjoy it. But again, obviously working with athletes or like-minded people is a lot easier. I yeah. mean, the, the thing about working with an athlete is you don't have to motivate them. Yep. They show up every single day to work. Yep. Right? When you're working with, you know, regular Joe Schmo, they, they complain, oh, that weight's too heavy. Yeah. Like, oh, my life sucks. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times they don't really listen to what you say outside. I mean, like, I have... I've worked with athletes and I tell them you have to eat right. You have to stretch. You have to do the, like I give them what they have to do and they do it. Well, that's because they're addicted as athletes. We get in such the routine thing, you know, naturally as humans routine is good for us. And with athletes, it's even more so because, Mm -hmm. you know, you just get used to it. It's all about, you know, mind, body, muscle memory. And then also it's just great schedule wise because when you're so busy, right, you're like, okay, I have this window. Here's my meeting. And I have Mm -hmm. this little window Let's say you're a student athlete. This is where I got to do some homework. Yeah. And then I got to make sure I get all this done and I stick to my schedule because at the end of the day, the most important thing is my recovery and rest yeah. and recharging. So I want to have all that stuff done so by the time my long, busy day is over, yeah. I can go home and get the rest that I need so I can get up and literally do it again tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, again, like when you when I work with, you know, the average Joe, they a lot of times they typically don't listen to what you say to do outside and then they don't see the results. So again, like you can work out all you want, but if you're not doing the right things outside of the gym, like eating right and, and taking care of your body and getting proper recovery, then obviously you're not going to see any results. Right. And so what tends to happen is they tend to blame me for that. Yeah. But then again, I ask, you know, what are you doing for yeah. yourself? You know, like, cause Again, it it's like when you go see a therapist or, or just any anybody, like mm-hmm. it's they're not there to help you, they're they're there to help you help yourself, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So there's no real like I don't know, I guess that's my my been my experience typically. You're sort of giving um, them a foundation so that tech, Yeah. So I'm you know giving you, them a game plan of, of right. like how to attack, how to this is how you're gonna lose weight. This is yeah, you know. It's science. It's, it's, losing weight is about, yeah. I mean, if you're relatively active in the gym mm-hmm. and you're eating less calories than, you know, 
you know, that, you know, you find out what your maintenance is and you eat below that. I mean, yeah. by science, I mean, you're going to lose weight. That, that's yeah. how it works. And some people are just, you know, they think, oh, I have to do, I have to run five miles and I have to be in the gym for two hours. And it's like, yeah. no, it, it really, I mean, what would you say? Is it probably, is it pretty close to an 80-20 split? Oh, yeah. 80% eating, yeah. eating, recharging, recovery, taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. And twenty percent your your exercise and weights and being in the gym. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's. I really don't spend that much time in the gym. No. I mean, during my workout, it's an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, Tops. thirty minutes. Like if I do, or when I do cardio, it's maybe an hour and forty five. But yeah. like, it's really not that much to take out of your day. Right. Um, yeah, and then the biggest thing I do here a lot too is uh. I, oh, I just don't have the time right now. And it's like, and granted, like, okay, you, if somebody is like genuinely working yeah. and doing things for and somebody, has a family and yeah. other people that depend on them to get them to school or take of them to course. do this, whatever, yeah. like, that's not something I have to deal with. So I'm like, no, no I, if you got that, do your thing. I don't get it. So do it. I, yeah. And I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, so, but in order to take care of your family, you have to keep yourself healthy. Yeah. So, again, like, you have to prioritize some of your own time too, and whether that's waking up an extra thirty minutes, yeah, to go on a walk or a run or even just do an in-home workout or just stretch or people can get up to such a, yeah. yeah. That's that's literally it. It's an extra thirty minutes a day. You can break it up in fifteen, fifteen, whatever you got to do. It doesn't yeah. matter. But as long as you're doing something, like yeah, you know, um, but yeah, I you know. Overall, my personal training experience, I do like personal training, but working with the average Joe typically is not my favorite client. Mm -hmm. Athletes are where it's at, for sure. Sure. Love that. You're sort of a spiritual guy. We were talking after our last round of golf. This still stuck out to me. You said so at times you see, what what did you call them? Were they almost like spirit type figures? Just like energies. Yeah, energies. That's what it was. I couldn't think of the word. That's all. But yeah, they... They just move. They're, they're, so crazy. they're all around us. It's, we got it's into, crazy. I love it because yeah. we got into that conversation, the one where you're like, you, you can feel like the, the hair on your arms start to stick up. We yeah, were in yeah. sort of that chills conversation yeah. because, you know, you were talking about these different energies that you felt. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of, you know, not very often. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really, you know, I never really had those experiences. But I think back to when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I think it was just more so just having a, a wide ranging, crazy running imagination. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just kind of feel like you see things or or things happen or, you know, you're really impressionable when you watch a movie or a TV show at a young age and you generally are scared and, you know, you're thinking, Oh, well, is this, is this going to happen? Like, am I going to be haunted or I'm going to see this and see that? And it's, um, it's really interesting. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, typically, yeah, when we are younger, we are very impressionable and, we scare ourselves. Yeah. I mean, even to this day, we scare our own selves. Yeah. Um, but again, like, yeah, energies are, I would say like, there's no like positive or negative mm-hmm. energy. It's vibration level. So you either vibrate at a very high level okay. or a low level. And then when you feel kind of off or when I feel kind of off, typically it's because I just run into an energy that is vibrating at a lower level or whatever it may be. It, Again, it's kind of hard to explain. It's just, it's what I see and feel. Right. Um, but typically when you do feel fear or anything, it's 
probably a hundred percent of the time in your own mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's that. Yeah. That's, you either kind of, it's one of those things you either do or you don't. Yeah. Either feel it or you don't. Yeah. And it's okay either way. Yeah. It's not, yeah. No, it's, it's, I've had some interesting experiences, but it's, you deal with them how you, how you do. You just kind of like, yeah. Love it. So, um, I want to talk real quickly as we're wrapping up here. Talk a little bit about the photography you've been doing. I saw you oh, yeah. have you have an Instagram page. Talk about. I mean, we're in such a beautiful spot here in Arizona yeah. for photography, and it's such an art form. It's more. It's so much more than just getting out a mm-hmm. camera and just you know looking through the hole, finding out what you want to shoot, and clicking yeah. the button. I mean, talk about you know, mm-hmm. what, a, what an art form it is and, and just kind of taking the picture the right way or getting the, the shot that you have envisioned in your mind. Yeah, I mean, um, most of the time when I, like, typically I always carry my camera in my car. Smart. Just so, you know. But again, like, I, it, it's one of those things where I'll see a landscape or I'll see the sunset or I'll see the moon and I'm like, and it, I don't really think about it, but it makes me feel like, I, I almost feel... Like last night, the moon was sitting so perfectly behind these clouds, and I was like, that is so, so beautiful. And I didn't have my camera with me. Mm. And I was like, damn. Like, I'm, I'm missing out on the opportunity. Because right. um, you want to catch that moment. That's what I'm saying. Because in yeah. your head, you're going to be wanting that moon to be sitting that perfectly yeah. again, and, the ch- and it, it pro- never happen again. It will never happen again. Um, but it's, it's like I almost I get a feeling inside of me that is like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and I want to almost capture that and speak that through the image that I capture Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense no I Uh, get it I just like it's photography is one of those things that I don't ever feel like I'm working Mm -hmm. when I'm doing it I don't ever feel like I'm pressured to do anything it's it's just it's an easy thing for me and I I love it it's relaxing Mm -hmm. and being able to Share that with other people is a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, and that's that's what it is to me. Um, just being able to capture what I feel about, you know, what I'm looking at into an image, and that's about it. Yeah, no, I totally feel it. I've never been a big picture guy, mm-hmm. and I don't have a camera, and I don't know how to, mm-hmm. you know, take them the, the right way, I guess you could say, but... I totally feel it, you know, when you see something, just wanting to capture it. Because when I was yeah. in Utah and I was going on those hikes, yeah. I mean, I was, I felt like I was stopping, you know, every ten minutes. I'm like, oh, I got to take a picture of this. Yeah. Like, I just want to have it. And these are just stupid, you know, uh, pictures on my iPhone. Yeah. But still, I I've been looking back at them. Yeah. Um, over the last few days. Yeah. Just because I'm just like, yeah, you know, I I actually am glad I had it. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever been a big picture guy before because maybe I haven't had those moments or seen something where it's really just been like, I need to capture this. I need a picture of it. And yeah. it's a it's a really cool feeling. I was yeah. like loving it. Yeah. It's, it's great. It is insane. Um, again, like it's just there. I don't think there really is a way to describe that feeling, but it, it's, it's so internal and it's just like, it just comes out. Um, yeah. Like being ready at that moment is... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no better feeling because now you're able to capture what you see and what you love. It's like, 
And also the thing I love about photography is it gets it gets me outside. Like yeah. I, I love being outside and um I don't know, I find myself hiking, you know, local yeah. mountains just to capture yeah. a crazy view or um whatever it is. It's it's really cool. I really enjoy it and um yeah, I'm gonna pursue that. Love it. With all my passion. So that's great. So when are we gonna go golfing next? Well, you tell me, man. I'm, yeah. I'm well, when is way. um is Howard healthy yet? I don't know what's up with Howard, man. What do you yeah, have to he, do? What do you have to do? Do you get his tubes tied or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh man, I hope he hears this too. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna send him this yeah. clip specifically. Yeah, just send it. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but no, he um he was telling me he doesn't know what's up with his his. His oblique is still yeah, bothering him, huh? Oblique, yeah, I'm, I don't know, but he was a. Uh, he was saying he doesn't want to go play before, okay. like, whatever procedure he might have to have. Or, oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, oh, it's actually pretty serious. Well, he was telling me that the doctors don't really know, like, oh. what's going on. So he's yeah kind of in this position where it's like, what to do now. Yeah. Like, shit, yeah. How, we got to get Howard out there. We got to chirp him a little bit. That's right. We, we... He, he told me, he told me, he, he's he got a strong mind. He'll be able to withstand Okay. So, Maybe I'll get you two in the cart together. In oh, fact, man. Wait, what what we should do is I'll get my camera out, and we'll mic this. We'll mic you guys up. Yes. And we'll just chirp you, or you guys will just chirp each well, other. Well, it back has and forth. to be more entertaining than the Phil and Tiger match where they didn't talk oh, to each yeah, other after the first four holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll be way more entertaining. Oh yeah, we gotta put like, put like a, a decent wager on it. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many low, oh, yeah. low cost little gambling because if you put anything on it if you just put a buck on it you want to win that buck right well yeah a buck or even dinner or yeah a drink whatever you, you put any sort of stakes no matter how low oh, yeah. out on the golf course it gets it gets fun yeah. you can get creative with it oh yeah no we we should uh we should do that i i got a camera man I, that'd be really fun that'd be great yeah. content that would be we should do it yeah we'll have to, do it. we'll throw it up on the uh, jv podcast youtube page yeah it'll be awesome that'd be awesome hell yeah love gotta, it just gotta invest in some um Shirt mics. Yeah. To get you guys going. But Perfect. Hell, I would love to film that. That'd be really fun. Would take a little bit. Yeah. We might piss some people off, but who cares? Yeah, whatever. Fuck uh, well, thanks, Alex. This was really yeah, fun, man. Seriously. Thanks, Joey. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Of course, man. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Alex Otero. Now, let's get into my complaint of the week. <sighs> my complaint of the week, as always, brought to you by my therapist this week. I'm taking you inside, behind the scenes, to my DMs on Instagram. I get this message from this random guy. I'm going to read it to you guys. Here's what it is. I saw you on the Big Dawes TV thingy. If you don't know Big Dawes TV, he's my boss, started the Daily Dropout, all that good stuff. But the Bachelor recaps, really? Pretty sure you'll have more success on YouTube by doing challenges or pranking strangers or movie reviews. Instead, you already have the charisma in front of a camera. Couple things. First off, thank you for the compliment. I very much appreciate it. But two, now I never take these things things too seriously. These are strangers. You can't let these people get into your head whether they say mean things or come at you or critique you. It's, it's whatever. If you're going to get critiques and criticism, it should come with the people that you work with, the people that are, are you know, like if Big Dawes or Steven or any of the camera guys or editors give me some pointers, that's the stuff that you can build on. That's that's constructive criticism. I'm never going to take too seriously what some random person that sees one of my videos, I'm never going to take it too seriously. It's never 
going to bother me. But coming at me with the Bachelor reviews, now it's personal. See, that's personal. This, I do the Bachelor reviews, Adam, the good of my own heart. I love doing them. I enjoy it. Don't tell, you know, maybe they, they won't get a ton of views. Maybe I will have more success doing challenges or pranking strangers or movie reviews, whoever this guy is. But you know what? I'm never going to stop doing it because it's for the love of the game. I love the Bachelor reviews. I love The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. Give it to me all. I love it all. Don't come at me with that stuff. But thank you for the compliment. And that's my Complaint of the Week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you may be listening, please rate five stars, leave a friendly review, and subscribe. Turn those notifications on so you never miss an episode. Interviews just like this one coming your way every single Monday and the Weekend 12 Pack with Uncle Micah, all the gambling and betting advice, sports gambling and betting advice that is, you need coming your way every single Friday Thanks again, guys. Talk to you on Friday.